This week on Gym Ops Radio, the topic is all things data. The guys dive into their four most important data points during the COVID pandemic, why they watch them closely, what certain trends might predict, and how you can spot a problem before it's too late. They'll talk about why data is critical to understanding your COVID business and why, now more than ever, it's imperative to have an understanding of what's happening beneath the surface of your operations. Welcome to episode 44. This is Jim Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Jim Ops Radio. This is episode 44. My name is Brian Pritz. And I'm Dave Thomas. And we're the owners of Performance 360 here in San Diego. And today we are going to talk about four data points to know during COVID. Yes. Uh, we always, we've done episodes before on data and why, um, almost like how we've kind of slowly improved over the course of our business at collecting data. Um, but today we're going to specifically talk about four points that are kind of more relevant during the coronavirus than um, perhaps a non-pandemic. Uh, these are going to be able to be used to like uh, really predict where your business is headed, be able to forecast, be able to see just trends like the very start of when they could potentially be happening and give you kind of advance notice if you need to do something in response to what's going on with the coronavirus. Yeah, and we've we've collected data for a long time, um, a lot of different data points and kind of depending on where we are in the business and what time of year and kind of what's going on, we're always kind of putting certain points into a microscope mm -hmm. um, and these four that we're talking about today are kind of what are constantly on our mind and driving the decisions that we make on a day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month basis um, as we go through this pandemic yeah I think and you know we've we've made mentions of it before kind of having that balance of like the subjective and the objective yep. like that feel it's like an art and a science like you always want to have that feel for what's going on in the gym um, and you can only really get that by just being there in person, just getting that general sense of like how everybody is feeling. Uh, but you also need the objective data of like, okay, this is, this is how that subjective feeling is actually translating into action. So it's like you never want to abandon either one of those, but you always want to make sure that you're looking at them in kind of equal parts and maybe prioritizing um, the subjective at a different time and maybe you're prioritizing the objective data at a different time and um, right now I think it's a little bit of both mm -hmm. but it's all about like what are the numbers telling us and how can we read into what those numbers are predicting for the next 30 60 90 days and I'm a big I'm a big person that goes by vibe and feeling totally. and um, there's a lot of different scenarios where I feel like there's been a certain vibe coming through the back end, whether it's holds, whether it's cancellations, and you look at the data and it, it follows that feeling. Um, at the same time, there's also that other side where you're like, man, like I feel like we're just getting a lot of holds or a lot of cancels, and then you go look at the data and you're like, oh, like this is actually very in line with a seasonal trend or um, you know just something that's going on that might explain why you're getting or you're, that feeling is a little bit higher than normal um, and so and you realize that it's nothing to really look into further um, so there's kind of two sides of that yeah and just like to break it down to the listeners um, you know the, the way that we kind of break up our duties with this is so Brian is um, you know he's he's the quote back-end guy so like anybody writes into the gym of like a question about what's going on membership account stuff like that's gonna funnel through uh, Brian and Mark 
And so he is the first like point of contact for that action that a member is going to take. And then I look at the data, how that comes through after he's kind of done that, pull that out each week, and we get this kind of picture that coexists of like, okay, he's quote like on the ground having these conversations, and then I am I am not. So I'm just pulling those numbers of how that all nets out each week. So it it it, it kind of lands in this balance of like, okay, so the numbers are saying this, like what are you seeing? We'll get into this like holds this week since we recorded last episode just like shot through the roof so it's like i saw that in the data then kicked it back to you of like okay so what are you seeing are there any trends here and yes there are trends and we'll, we'll discuss that but um it's why just that constant dance of like the data plus the feeling and the vibe are both kind of so important because i've pulled numbers in a week where we might have just spiked and holds and asked you and you're like no you know i think i think things are great like bunch of people just like traveling for work or something like that right and there's no cause for alarm um so i just it speaks to the importance of having your finger on the pulse of both the numbers and the feeling is it data or data i don't know pretty sure i say both sometimes (laughs) um both or both both i don't understand (laughs) the the fake l stuff i think it's a midwest thing because i got made fun of that a lot when i moved out to the east coast yeah my wife is from minnesota and she says bagel instead of bagel bag 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 instead of bag that makes no sense yeah anywho um so yeah why don't we just dive right into this yeah data point number one um active membership and for us it's by location if you're a single unit gym awesome um you don't need to worry about the per location but we'll talk about why that matters to maybe multi-gym owners as well as the single gym owner Um, but active membership. So talk a little bit about what that phrase means. So obviously we have a total number of membership uh, that is currently a part of Performance 360, all three locations. Uh, The active membership aspect is the people who are actively paying and coming to gym. Uh, They are not on hold. Um, They're not taking some break or, you know, even little things like, uh, let's say there was like a billing error or something and they got comped for a month. Um, so they would, you know, not technically be an active member that month from a total membership and billing standpoint. Um, so there's a lot of little scenarios like that, but ultimately it's just people not on hold. Cool. And so the reason why we separate that out, obviously, from total members is any given month, there's always going to be a period of people who are whose membership is on pause and membership is on hold. Uh, we've talked before about the transient nature of San Diego, especially around the holidays. People vacate San Diego around Christmas time. It's really unlike anything I've ever seen. It's, it's a little bit less, obviously, this year with travel restrictions and whatnot, um, but the town turns into a complete ghost town. So November and December are down months for gyms as is, but throw on the transient nature of San Diego, and we always just take a dive in active membership around this time of year. Um, but as we'll kind of talk about, there's a couple of different scenarios that you can look at when it comes to membership and why that active membership is so important. So let's throw in the obvious variable right now of everything that's going on with coronavirus. So we have all the things I just mentioned, plus the fear of coronavirus mounting restrictions in California still are pretty severe. Um, so, you know, 
I mentioned that I pull the numbers each week and one of the numbers that I pull is active membership. So I'll go by each location. We have three locations, Pacific Beach, Bay Park, and Ocean Beach. And I'll pull active membership for each location. So I do this without seeing the report of joins and cancellations. This is just a back end me pulling the raw data. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, this past week we had holds just absolutely skyrocket. And I saw that in the active membership, especially for Pacific Beach, because that's our biggest location. We typically have um, around four, 430 to 475 active members at any given time of year. Um, and so I saw that come, come way down. It came down to like, I think in the 430s. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so the first thing I did was, okay, did we lose people? Right. Are they gone or are they simply on hold? Right. And so I then immediately went to the um, join cancel report, saw we had very minimal cancels, and it was a product of holds going up. Mm -hmm. So you take a little bit of a breath, and you're able to say, okay, these people are on hold. They are presumably coming back. And then to go a little bit further into that, you can then look at how long people are on hold for. Right. Is this a couple week hold because they're going home for the holidays and they just want to like, you know, we have weird hours this time of year. Um, or is this like a, a COVID hold where they're maximizing their 90 day hold allowance? And that just helps paint a picture of really kind of what's going on. Yeah. And just a side note to that. Um, we are very forefront or in the forefront of like allowing holds. Um, so we make it very easy. I know a lot of gyms try and like avoid that altogether. Um, we made the active decision a few years ago to just make it very easy to go on hold. And what we found is that um, people use that a lot, but it creates a longer member by a lot because they can go onto the website, they can put in the start date of their hold, and they have to put in an end date to their hold. Um, sends out like auto emails and confirmations to remind them of that date and all that. Um, but what we learned is our uh, average membership length really increased once we allowed holds and set those parameters so that people were like very um, very strict on when they were coming back and it almost kind of set them you know set it in their brain that like okay I am returning I'm returning on this date um, and I'm gonna become or continue to be a member yeah that's good clarification I think because I know every gym does it differently so might be hard to understand a little bit of context about what we're talking about with some of the numbers that we'll, we'll get into right now. Yep. Um, so we talked about that scenario of like, okay, active membership goes down, but we check total membership and we realize like we're kind of okay. No action. We don't take any action on that. Yep. It's more of just like a wait and see. Maybe our um, subjective antenna is tuned up a little bit to see if there's any anything further going on or coming. Scenario number two is active membership goes down and then say I did cross check that against the join cancel report and cancels were, were way up. So then we know we obviously have an issue. Right. And then it goes into, you know, this is for a separate separate podcast, but then like what are some of those issues and how can we fix them? Right. Are these issues that we're in control of? Is this a service offering that we're failing? Are we failing the membership and their experience in the gym? Or is this because of coronavirus? Is yeah. this because of you know, this is now everybody reaches their wits end at different levels. Is this just like this batch of people that are like, okay, I'm out with this. Right. Maybe I'll be back at a later date, but I'm going to cancel and I'm going to mentally move on and go do something else. Right. So that's, that's a red flag. That means, okay, what do we need to get ahead of? And then 
again all sorts of topics we could take fix the experience provide more energy into like remote training options what what have you but that's why it is so important to be able to kind of cross-check both of those membership reports so that we can make that um, kind of rational decision based on everything that's going on yeah it's almost like a level a leveled filter or funnel it's like you look at the uh, large data it's like if there's potentially a problem then you filter that down to a smaller data point and you look at that and if everything uh, is not looking great there then you start to look at that fine point of like okay you know for us why are these people going on hold why are these people going on cancel or canceling and then we can start to make decisions based on that um, but if you look at that top level data and everything looks great then there's kind of no need to um, overthink it and dive into those further numbers and it's also important because, you know, let's say we have a month where active membership stays the same, but, to, or excuse me, total membership stays the same, but active membership goes way down. You know, if you're only looking at your total membership, then you're going to completely whiff on your financial projections that you right. had for that month or, yeah. or the next month if it hits the month after. Um, and, you know, for us, that's that becomes very important. We have, you know, 15 coaches that work for us. We have three, three gyms overhead, all the increased expenses expenses that have come on with coronavirus like we have to be accurate in those projections absolutely and so that's why it becomes so important for us on that and then for those of you guys that might have multiple locations um, you know we can give you a prime example of why this is so important because um, we have as I mentioned PB Bay Park and Ocean Beach um, Ocean Beach is co-owned with our third partner Lenny that you all know on the on the podcast through <laughs> our stories by now um, and so they all have different numbers. We've really learned this throughout the course of um, studying all the studying all the data throughout the course of the pandemic. And um, we have a figure that's called a hold percentage. It's obviously very simple. You take your total holds, divide them by your total um, membership, and that's the holds percentage. So, in our PB and Bay Park combined locations, uh, that holds percentage is lifetime. I count lifetime as since the coronavirus, mm -hmm. uh, six point one percent. And then in OB, it is more than twice that. It's 13%. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really know why. Um, our OB membership is just a little bit more susceptible to deviation with their membership when um, you know we have to switch operations and go outside. It's a, kind of a tough draw for those folks. Um, our outdoor experience there is just objectively not good. Um, it, it gets the job done, but we are on the sidewalks and on the streets in a neighborhood that's like honestly not super friendly to that yep. um so i can i can totally get why that number is up with those folks but um that trend also continues past just our current operation they they just they go on hold more regularly than the rest of the gym by a rate of two to one right and so that's really important because um you know there's all sorts of decisions and all sorts of um you know, if you think your capacity is quote 250 active members, and you're basing that off of a six percent hold rate for PB, but it's really twice that, then all of a sudden you have the capacity for more members than you thought, and it changes your acquisition strategy with pricing. Um, so it's just it's a whole it's a whole trickle down effect that occurs in decision making based on knowing how many people are actually active coming to the gym each month. Yeah, that Ocean Beach location, we talk a lot about it because there are some. Um, higher level decisions that we think about making as uh, you know under the performance 360 umbrella and a lot of times it, it trickles down to that Ocean Beach location to say like 
we can't make this decision because that specific membership is um, a little bit more variable. Like you said, like people, um, you know, a small wrench in operations causes a much bigger spike uh, than the other locations. And, and it, it changes the way that we kind of view the whole operation and make those macro and micro decisions. And it's, you know, it's stating the obvious, but the holds percentage is always a reflection for right now of what's happening with coronavirus. It's yep. always going to be influenced on that. Um, and since we don't know how long this is going to go, like <clears throat> perhaps foolishly, like the last time we were shut down and reopened, we kind of thought that was it. Right. It was like they can't possibly shut down the economy <laughs> again. And it happened. And I'm not, that's not like a political statement. It's just, we, I was not mentally prepared for that. Right. Financially prepared, we left ourselves some wiggle room, but mentally prepared, I was not. So for me to sit here and think the next time we're allowed to reopen, that's going to be the last time, I'm, I'm done with that. Like, yep. Fool me once, shame on <laughs> me thing. I want to do the George Bush version of it. They can't the fool me again. Yeah. Shame on uh, – shame. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't fool me again. Um, so I, we've learned from it, and so now we have specific data points to be able to tell us, like, what's going to happen. So just to share with listeners, like for PB, remember they have we have the lifetime uh, holds percentage of six percent, but at our peak we were eight and a half percent, and so that was like the height of you know when all this was modified slash closed. And at our at our lowest holds percentage October, that's when we were like humming. We were open for six weeks, modified capacity, Ooh, but six weeks, yeah, <laughs> um, and we got down to five percent, and that yeah. that's like really good for us. And now we're climbing, we're right around about seven percent again in December. So it just you create this story of how the membership reacts and you can then apply that for making all of your projections. Yeah. And it's just without the ability to project what's going on financially, I, I personally cannot wrap my mind around any other way that you can possibly survive this. So holds percentage just tells a major uh, it's a major chapter in that story. Yeah, I mean, what would be the listener takeaway um, for those people out there that maybe haven't really looked into this data too much or maybe, like, has it available but doesn't, you know, analyze it? I think this one's just really easy. Just start calculating your holds percentage. You know, we use MindBody. We really like MindBody for a number of things, and we hate MindBody for a number of other things. So, like, we calculate the holds percentage manually. Yeah. So we have to go in, pull that data of active members that are auto-renewing, and actually do the calculation um, to create that holds percentage. So it might take a little bit of manual work. Maybe you have a software that's way more progressive with that. You probably do. Um, but just, yeah, definitely start breaking your membership down more than just like, these are my total members. Start coming up with different percentages of holds, of active, so that you can make accurate predictions. Um, and also so you can, you know, for accurate predictions, but also so you can dive into the business and see what might be able to be fixed or improved. Yeah. Um, you know, if holds are going up and it is something that you can control, you, you should know that and not just write it off as like, oh, active membership is fine. These folks are just automatically all coming back. Most, many will not. You know, they might be taking a wait and see approach to see what you do as a business in response to everything that's going on. And you mentioned something last week that really hit home with me. Um, a lot of gym owners will look at their like highest performing members, the people that are all in on their brand and be like, oh, they're still into it. So everything's good. Um, but that's a very foolish way of looking at it to where those people, you know, no matter what you do, they're going to be with you. But it's the bottom half people that are of concern and they'll start leaving. Um, and a lot of times they won't 
give you any info or feedback on why. And you know, if you're just paying attention to that top level group of people, then you'll miss an entire group of people that might um, be telling you something behind the scenes. Totally. Uh, anything else to go over when talking about active membership? Uh, negative. <clears throat> cool. All right, so data point number two, micro attendance metrics. So this is just breaking down um, how are people experiencing the gym. So there's a number of different ways you can do this. We'll just talk a little bit about the ones that we look at and why we look at them. So first is we look at average class size per location. Yep. We don't spend a lot of time on like time of day that's most popular. Like I'm sure, I'm sure most gyms, uh, the first early morning class and the first classes after work hours are the most popular. Yep. Um, so we know that. There's no point in just continuously reinforcing what we already know. We look at average class size per location because for us, each gym kind of offers unique selling points. They each have their own little nuances that are better or worse than some of our other gyms. Um, and so we need to see like which ones are most popular and why. And I'll, you know, I'll talk in just a minute about like why it's not as predictable as you might think. Um, and then we look at total visits in a given month as a gym and as and for each location. So we want average class size and then total visits in each month. And so, you know, for example, Bay Park right now has quote our lowest membership. The yep. gym is um, one year and two months old. Oh my God, it's already over a year. Yeah. Wow. And we have the lowest membership there. So we have, I think at last check, it was, well, since we've taken a dip the last two weeks with the holds, um, we're at about 140 active members there. However, that class actually has our highest average attendance mm -hmm. because it's the biggest location. It's 5,000 square feet. We can hold um, a little bit more zones. So we do 17 zones in that location and we do 15 zones in Pacific Beach. Bay Park is accessible for Pacific Beach members. It's a little bit of a drive. It's about 15 minutes, but they can get there. So we have seen a lot of folks come over um, I guess it's over the bridge for some on the five for the others, uh, but they've been making that drive. So, you know, we might just think, oh, it's Bay Park's going to have the lowest average class size because it's the lowest membership. And that hasn't been the case at all. It's been the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. um, so each people are going to prefer a little bit different type of experience. And, and, and why that's relevant is because it allows us to say like, okay, what is it about Bay Park that it is preferred? that we can actually have control over replicating. Right. We can't make the PB location any bigger, but is there something that we can pull from that experience to bring it into the PB experience to perhaps make it a little bit better? Right. Um, and then Ocean Beach, obviously, as well. Um, so, you know, those are both kind of equally important and also the fact that, you know, the last few months we've had modified operations. So our Ocean Beach location, like Lenny is just, he's grinding to keep that membership active because we're out on the streets and the sidewalks. The Bay Park location is accessible to OB membership. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those folks have gone into Bay Park as well. So it's created this kind of, um, not a bottleneck, but it's getting close to that in Bay Park where it's, it's the one gym that's kind of equidistant from all of our, um, demographics where people live. So a lot of people go there. Do you consider that a negative or a positive? I don't consider it, in anything honestly it's like I just I just want to be aware of it so it's like 
you know, we know that Bay Park is inflated right now, and it's not reflective of the actual revenue that that gym is singularly producing. Mm-hmm. So it's a problem, and we'll talk about that in the last data point because, like, it's hard for us to grow Bay Park right now if we could right. because, you know, the classes are full, but the membership is not. Right. So knowing that data point forces us to be like, okay, what other ways can we creatively increase revenue without just the old model of more more members into the gym when we can't necessarily support that? Yep. Um, so it's just a data point that you have to know for how to produce revenue and get that revenue where you need to be maybe if classes don't allow you to grow the gym. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and the reason total visits obviously matters is because um, – you know, when you add classes to a schedule, your your average class size is going to come down. But you might actually be getting more people into the gym on a daily basis. It just doesn't look like that in the average class size. Right. So, you know, we had 2019, average class size was 18 people. And now it's at 12 people. <laughs> and obviously membership is lower, but we have substantially more classes on the schedule because our class capacity is lower we have to add more classes to become more accessible for everybody to get into a class. Right. It's such a trickle-down effect. It's crazy. Yeah. So 18 and 12 is a huge reduction, and, and part of that is accurate, but also part of it is not because people are just spread out where they're going. Yep. Like in PB, we run a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 233, 34, 35, 36, 30 class with the 230 coming um, next year. Yeah. And so, man, it's just like that's a ton of classes. Right. 10 classes a day. Um so it's like we don't want to get too spooked by like, oh, my gosh, only 12 people are coming per class. But if we look at total visits, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of we're kind of near where we need to be. Right. Um, so you have anything to anything to add on that? Uh, not not specifically. You handle a little bit more of the attendance metrics. Um, you know, what I tend to look at is um, are there certain time periods that are going down? Um, for example, like uh, Ocean Beach is another perfect example of this um we have a a farmer's market every wednesday um and membership was just or excuse me not membership attendance was pretty terrible during that night um just was a huge pain in the ass uh with classes now being outdoors there you're now like outside he's yelling at everyone yeah like literally people are yelling at you um so we ultimately had to make that decision of we're going to cut out those wednesday afternoon and night classes because the experience is just not good enough to keep it on the schedule. And people, it showed in the attendance reports, uh, people just weren't attending those classes. So um, that is kind of like a prime example of a decision made through the attendance metrics. And then of course, not to go down this rabbit hole with attendance metrics, but then what is the trickle down effect of those OB members not being able to go to a class on Wednesday night? You know, right. They go to the Bay Park location, right. so we know that we have to expect more people um, you know, we know we have to expect more people in some of those classes. And, you know, the reality is, you know, for us, Monday and Tuesday are just massive. They're massive days in the gym. I would imagine that's pretty consistent across all of our listeners. And we've talked last episode about how the class wait lists just give us a huge amount of anxiety. Yep. Monday and Tuesday, I'll log on first thing in the morning. I'll see how they're going. I'll check them every hour throughout the whole day. And... You know, full class, eight, per, eight person wait list. Like some people are not able to go to a class. And I, I absolutely hate that. 
And so, you know, there is the there is the decision of like, okay, can we alter programming in a re, in a way that obviously makes physiological sense, but like on certain prime days and prime weeks and prime months, like we might have to move more popular movements to like a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah. Because it just floods the gym if we have back squats on a Monday after a holiday and we know everybody's going to be coming into the gym. Right. So we'll have to tweak, we'll have to tweak the, the programming components and f- have it flow in a way that um, obviously makes sense day to day. But you know, there it, point being is your, your attendance metrics can have the potential to influence many, many, many other things about your gym more than just like, is my four thirty class popular or not? Right. I, I also think, you know, Going back to that Ocean Beach location, because it is such a variable location, it is experiencing the biggest hardship, if you will, right now with being forced to be outside. Um, you know, that attendance, I, I believe, looking in the weekly numbers that you just sent, um, they Ocean Beach had the biggest drop in attendance out of all the gyms. Um, oh, go, yeah. Going into the holidays, very expected to see a drop in attendance. Um, but when you see one location that is more than the others, um, I think that it shows that people, you know, are not super into the outdoor workouts. And I don't say that in such a negative way because they're great workouts for what they are and what we have available yeah, I mean, there. Call a spade a spade, you know? Yeah. But, you know, it shows that people are starting to get tired of that setup. Um, and I think that that, while it hasn't caused us to make any specific adjustment or decision on that just yet, for me personally, it says, okay, this is a high priority um, thing to look at and say, like, how can we make that experience better? Yeah, it, it, it shows you what's high risk. And it's like, we're starting to see that. Like, holds and OB went up a lot the past two weeks, whereas we, or excuse me, the last week, whereas, like, we went down initially when we moved outside. Yep. And then, and then we came up, actually, average attendance. So it's like people kind of got behind it and rallied behind it. And now it's kind of coming down again. So it's like either that fatigue or just holidays or some combination. But the only way for us to know how that's trending is to continue to keep an eye on that hyper micro attendance metrics of OB specifically popular class times there specifically. Are they still pulling? Yeah. I mean, how long, how many weeks have we been outside there now? Three or four, three or four, um, three or four. Okay. And we, we just, we fixed it, you know, this isn't an OB operations podcast, but uh, we, we improved it a little so everybody was on the same side of the building. It's catty-cornered on two different streets, and we had it kind of split. We moved everyone to one side, and that's immediately bumped up the attendance metrics and the, the repeat visitors. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, listener takeaway is just start looking at that. You know, our takeaways for this podcast are nothing – nothing that you can't draw your own conclusion to um, start studying the data start studying uh, the different types of attendance where people are going when they're going um, and if that can tell you a story about what might be happening with your gym that maybe you weren't dialed into previously yeah and you know outside of covid there are some things that you know if you see class attendance um, at a specific time frame or location or whatever and let's just say you make some change as uh, as a whole to your gym and you see that number change, you can get direct feedback of, are people accepting that change? Are they into that change? And you can use that to obviously make future decisions or um, you know make whatever that change that you implemented better or whatnot. Um, I don't think it's just a COVID-19 thing. Mm-hmm. Good point. 
Okay, data point number three. So first one was active membership, uh, possibly by location. Second one is micro attendance metrics, possibly by location. And then data point number three is front end interest or leads. I don't know why I hate the word leads. I hate the word leads. It just too. sounds so salesy. Yeah. Uh, but people who are expressing interest in your gym. Everybody has their own models of acquisition that are a little bit different. We have ours. So if you could, Byron, talk about how we collect leads and why that tells a picture of kind of what's going on with the market. Yeah, one of the big changes that we made during COVID was um, to implement this wait list. Um, the wait list is, is part pure wait list, part lead magnet, if you will. Um, and before we had a lot of visitors to the website and they were going to different places. They were registering for classes. They were submitting the contact form. They were calling, whatever it is. Um, and so it's really hard to pull a lot of data from things that are coming in through different sources. So when we implemented this wait list, it is no matter what location, who you are, what your goal is, you the first step of that is inputting your name, email, and phone number into the wait list. Um, we have a whole backend sequence that sends people information um, based on what location they submit their, um, their wait list entry into and all that. But the point being is we have one centralized location that everybody comes into, um, and that way we can gauge like the total interest in the gym as a whole um, and not have to break it up into like all these little micro data points that are hard to figure out what they mean. Totally. And I think specifically to this era is, you know, so we talked about active membership. What is our current membership doing? This is kind of the balance against that. This is like what are non-members doing? What is the public doing? And are they interested in coming to a gym right now? Yep. So it's like we, we, we spoke a little bit about how conversion is a different data point for us in the last episode. But conversion sucks right now. It's December. It's COVID. It's holidays. It's pre-New Year. Like very few people are joining the gym. But we are still getting, at least prior to the holiday week, a lot of front-end interest. So mm -hmm. a ton of people still entering that membership wait list. So what that tells us is, okay, the desire for people to go to a gym is still very much there. Yes. We run into a problem as a business. If active membership is coming down, if the attendance metrics are coming down, and if the front-end interest is coming down. That's when we know there's like a five alarm blaze, if you will. Yeah. Like all three of those data points that we've now talked about trending in the wrong direction. Right. Maybe two out of three are positive. Maybe one out of three is positive. Okay, why is it positive? It just allows this, it opens up this opportunity to investigate the uh, benefits and the drawbacks of how you might be doing something. Yeah. So, you know, for me, as I, I've been, you know, I honestly, I look at kind of the, the front end interest right now. I would say weighted just as heavily as I do with active membership because I want to see what are we primed to do in January, February when this gets back to normal. We're going to have this pretty large database of people who I know are interested in joining Performance 360 because they've told us that. Right. So it's how can we communicate to them in a way that uh, encourages them to, to try us out, to see what we're all about, to see what we're doing to combat all this. Um, so that's why it's huge. Like I'd love to see a conversion up. It doesn't bum me out that it's down. Um, I'm still excited that there's general interest coming through. Like November, um, November was our biggest month that we had of front end interest. Yeah. More than when we were open in normal operations, more yeah. than the summertime. And like, I would have never guessed that. 
a lot of it is who knows what it is and who cares what it is but it's like knowing that that interest in the gym is still there in in times of peril and in times of flux is just an incredibly it's like this uh hovering data point that continues to give me confidence that like we are going to like quote get back to some degree of normalcy we're going to have this opportunity to have a lot of people join who are excited to come into our experience yeah and you know this is kind of separate but the same is that data point right now is purely organic it's showing us that the the natural um the natural desire to come to a gym and more specifically our gym is much higher because we're not doing any paid advertising we're not um kind of pushing ourselves out there like we might normally do when there's no covid going on so all that interest is purely just organic people and you know uh groups of people interested in us and the style of training right now absolutely it's just like the great are we fucked indicator or not (laughs) (laughs) Um, because you know if that plummets then it's like okay my market is now just my members right and it's like you're obviously no one can grow from that that's mathematically impossible the only way to go the only way to train with that is backwards right and so it's like then you start to know like okay i I have a real serious like actual lifeblood of the business issue because i can no longer replace the people who have exited the gym yeah but what this is telling us is that we have that potential to do this very much when the environment for conversions once again is favorable yeah and you know looking at that data point Earlier in the year when COVID was a little bit more new, um, you know, there's a lot of people getting Pelotons. There's a lot of people, um, you know, doing home workouts and stuff like that. So at one point we had discussed, is that going to be a major trend and is the gym industry in general going to suffer? And, you know, we talked a lot about it because it it was unknown. I mean, we didn't know how long this was going to last. We didn't know people's mentality. Um, ultimately this interest shows that a brick and mortar gym is still something people are interested in. They still want to do the group atmosphere, even with those other options out there that some people are definitely taking, but the vast majority of people are still wanting that in gym, in gym, in person group atmosphere. It just tells the truth. And like, let's maybe there is this massive trend of people migrating to at home workouts. If they're still interested in your business, then who cares? It's like, then you don't have to stress this like, oh my God, I saw another friend post about Peloton on social media. It's like, if you've got this list of people that are showing you that they're interested, then that's all you need to care about. And it's like, that is your only data point, not what the news or the media or anything else is telling you that people are interested in, only how people are interacting with your brand. And it's why like I, I get eyes on that number all the time because I just... To me, that's that's the predictor of the future. Um, like we know where we are with current membership, we know that we're going to 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 keep a certain percentage of them because we have those months of data, but we don't yet have this data for future interest, and that's what the front end, that's what the data point of the front end interest slash leads is beginning to tell us. Yeah, and you know, not to convolute this, but you know, within that front end interest, so let's say thirty five people fill that out in a week, well, they have to pick a location. Right. So now it's it goes into the separate bucket of like, is this OB interest, is it PB or is it Bay Park interest? Yeah. It's male or female. So it's like, are we attracting more men or more women right now? Why is that? And there's a lot of different things that you can study based on how these numbers start to spit out. But if you don't know 
what's happening with that interest, then there's no way for you to speak to them in a way that will lead them to convert. Yep. So it just it, it's it, it produces this downhill snowball of just ways that you can operate based on seeing that the numbers come in through the front end. Yeah, I know you look at kind of other gyms and outside, you know, outside our gym, you look at the market a little bit more. Do you see anything traditionally with other gyms and how they how their websites are set up to collect that information or any advice on people out there to kind of implement something like this? Obviously, you're not going to do exactly what we do because every business is different. But is there something that you see out there in the market that you think people can do a better job of to implement this stuff? I, I honestly think you're you're more qualified to answer that. But I'll give you my opinion on what I see in the gym is I don't know. And I do look at gyms. I do see how they're acquiring members. It's you know, kind of a tangent. It's long been a frustration of ours of like, mm. why don't gyms make it easier for people to join? <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. It's like call for a free consultation and yeah. come in. And I just like that clearly works for some people. So like, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a terrible idea. I just don't can't wrap my bear, my brain around it. Like we want people to go to the website and know with definitive certainty what they need to do and leave our website having done so. Right. Uh, and that's it. And so I can only really, really speak for us. It, it, you know, if you are the type that requires phone calls or something like that, I would just, I would tell you to immediately get something on your website that you can capture either phone numbers or emails to text and email people. Begin a relationship. Even if it's just like, I don't know, just that's where I would kick that over to you of like, you know, give them something for free or just like, do you, are you interested in this place at all? Like just collect something so you can communicate to them. Yeah. One of the big things I see is people have that, um, you know, call to schedule an appointment or, uh, fill this out and we'll get back to you type of thing. And it's like, like you said it perfectly, like they need to go to your website and complete what they were wanting to do. You can't have it be a, I'm going to throw my side at you. Now I have to wait for you to return, um, call, text, email, whatever that is. Um, I'm a consumer of a lot of, a lot of different things. I will do my research and compare different companies and products. If anybody has something that psychopath about that. Yeah, I, I, (laughs) I do realize that. Um, but if there's anything out there that it's like, I can't complete what I went there to do right now, well, then I'm going to look at somebody else that I can. Um, and so, yes, I am like way over the, the top on that stuff. But there are a lot of people that are probably something like that to a much less degree. Sorry. No, no, no yeah, I think that's such a good point because it's like so many gyms might think like, oh, well, I'm going to sell them on like our programming or something about our coaches. And like the average person doesn't care and doesn't know that you're different than the same type of gym a couple miles away. Right. So they, they've decided that they're, they want to do this fitness and, uh, can you provide it for them? And we're dangerously close to making this all about like how to optimize (laughs) your website. And it's a great episode for the future. But the point is, if you don't have something to collect that front end interest, if you have no idea what that is, there's no way you can operate moving forward. So, um, not to put you on the spot, is there a way people can easily add that to their website or is that more of a, there's there's, for that. there's tons of ways that you can do it. Obviously, uh, not everybody has like the technical skill to do so. Um, Quit sweating yourself. <laughs> I wasn't meaning that <laughs> towards me, because um, there's a lot of stuff that I outsource to developers that I can't do as well. But 
Uh, point being, there are a ton of different things that you can do or hire somebody to do to make that uh, immediate switch and make your life so much easier. And yeah, that is something that we can definitely help you out with if it is something that you struggle with and you want a new plan forward. Um, like, reach out to us. Uh, I can definitely point you in the right direction or assist you in whatever way or whatever your business needs. You know, a, one perfect example is like, let's just say somebody calls your business at seven in the morning and, uh, you know, you're coaching a class or you're working on something else. You don't pick up the phone like or your sleep or your sleep, <laughs> um, you know, like, is that person going to keep calling you back? Are they going to be around when you call them back? Like there's just, there's so many variables. So it's like figure out some way to just get the job done the first time somebody visits your website. And, um, there's a lot of ways to do that, which we can talk about another episode. Yeah. And if you're desperate for help for that, just hit us up. We'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. So first three data points, active membership by location, micro attendance analysis by location, front end entrance interest by location. And then the last one is the average membership value. So kind of the most important one that is an aggregate of all three of these things combined. Yep. So what is average membership value? It is simply take your total revenue in a given month and divide it by your active membership. You could do by your total membership, but we're mostly concerned with active people that are engaged in the brand. So revenue divided by your average membership count, and that's going to give you your average membership value. So that's a huge data point to know right now, and I'll just kind of cut right to the chase and tell you why it matters for us. So, you know, before all this hit, we had large classes. Like we were always on the the pendulum of larger classes versus smaller classes. Like we'd go up to 25 in a class. And we didn't, this might make us sound like Nick, negligent <laughs> business owners, but like we didn't really care about what the average membership price was. Yeah. We, we should have in hindsight, but it's like, are people enjoying the experience? Are they able to come to the gym? Are they telling their friends to come to the gym? That, great. That means we're doing a good job. Right. So why does it matter? Well, now it's extremely relevant because all of a sudden that ability to have 25 in a class, which was our entire model is now reduced by 40%. Yep. So we have these people that they're equating to an average membership value, but we can no longer service as many of them in a given time as we can. So this is a very roundabout way of saying that we're now running the business almost at a loss from where it was prior to this. Because if you take, say, 18 people at an average membership value of X, um, let's just do, just going to get out my phone real quick bear with me we have a no cell phone rule in this studio yeah. hmm. wonder why that is after the last episode <laughs> um so let's say you have an average membership value of like 130 and you can fit 18 people in a class well that class you have the potential to make two thousand three hundred and forty dollars but if all of a sudden that average class size goes down to say 12 people then all of a sudden you are at one thousand five hundred and sixty dollars so that compounded over the course of every day every month you're now not making as much revenue as you were per class it's like the, it's like the analogy that restaurants have of like revenue per table, per table at a given yeah. time like you know tables they have to flip tables so they can get more in well that's what the class structure is so you know this this might not seem like a big deal but over time you know 
if less people can get into those classes, you're making less money per class. Per class yeah. And all of a sudden those people maybe are frustrated that they can't get into a class and you run the risk of losing them. So it's a, it's kind of a double fuck you. Um, so over time, it just it, it reduces the amount of money that you can make as a gym. Um, it caps you at a much lower amount because you can't you can't physically grow uh, because like maybe classes are full or maybe you can't grow right now because of the coronavirus. Um, so you have to figure out a way to increase the average membership value. So a lot of places do like a very um, diverse like storefront where they'll have you know supplements, clothes, foods, things like that. Um, additional services, um, increasing the price of new people coming in, increasing the price of current members. So there's all these different ways that you have to examine, like how can I make up that lost revenue because I'm, I'm, I'm capped at a lower number than I was when I had a bigger class capacity. Right. Um, so it's like, it's put us in a, a super, difficult position I think it's probably put uh, maybe a number of gyms in a difficult position because they can't get as many people as they once did so we've looked at a lot of things Um, you know we've talked about um, increasing the membership price for uh, new members in January we you know we we talked about increasing the price for current members because there's like there's no way that we can sustain where we're at an ability that just has us tread water like forever Right. Um, so it's this, it's this like really, uh, extremely tough decision of, of how do you, how do you handle that? Do you just sit as is and say, okay, this is, I guess this is my business now forever. Um, or do you make the difficult decision and say, I have to get this average membership value up if we're going to continue to, um, you know, I don't want to use the blanket term, like be successful, but just operate in the manner in which you can operate that supports jobs, that supports uh, growth, that supports everything that people choose to work about a place that supports that. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, you know, aside from that, and I think we talked about it last week too, aside from, um, you know, your revenue opportunity coming down with the limited class capacity, your expenses also go up during this time. So cleaning expenses, um, staff expenses, just like all the little things that go into operations, more classes means more coaching hours, means more electricity usage, more water, all that stuff. So it's like that average membership value goes less um, in terms of like the distance that it covers all of your expenses. So, um, you know, aside from lost revenue, there's the other side too. And it's like, how do you recoup all that money and stay in business? Yeah. You know, it costs us about $500 a week to add a class time. Yeah. And so we've had to add like three class times for each location. Uh, that's $1,500 a month compounded over the course of running the business. Right. That's a, that's a big expense. Right. And we're, we're not even, we're not making that up because we can't get more people into a class and as of this point, we've chosen not to increase prices. And like that, that is something that like we are, we're going to have to legitimately consider doing. And I know that it, that thought terrifies both of us because we've never, ever done that. We've never done that on current members. Um, and we hate the idea of doing that. At the same time, we've never faced a pandemic. Right. We've never been closed for three straight months. We've never had our rent pushed back and compounded for future months. We've never taken on all these additional expenses. And it's like, I think where you and I are kind of caught right now is like, 
we're holding on to that old value that isn't relevant to the new landscape of what's actually happening. Right. And th- there's absolutely no doubt, you know, if we're going to run a podcast called Jim Ops Radio, like that's not the greatest operational decision. Right. Uh, that That is a decision that we've made as a brand, as a company right now that we, that we feel is the best one. Um, but it's not one that is like guaranteed in the future if we cannot figure out a way to recoup this otherwise. Um, well, sorry to cut you off, no, but like please. the, you know, data point one, data point two, data point three that we talked about today because of how we look at those caused us to change our decision. You know, we were in the talks of when to increase prices, how to do so, um, how to strategically set that up and how to strategically communicate that. And ultimately, because we looked into the data, it just did not feel like the right time. The numbers were telling us it was not the right time. So we used all of that data to make a massive decision to not implement this now. Um, And like you said, it doesn't mean that we won't do it at some point in the future. Um, But right now, our data told us it was not the right time to do that. Yeah, and I think tying into the greater point of like how we open this, talking about the subjective and the objective is, um, yes, the data absolutely told us that, but that general overall feeling like screamed yeah, not to do that. Absolutely. And so it's like when you start to combine both of those things, you know, we, we pulled the plug on it um, and we had all the communication drawn up and um, we're not doing it. And so it's like we're, we're, we're taking this wait and see approach of like, is, is something going to give, are we going to be able to recoup these losses and be able to operate as we as we need to operate as a gym to support everybody's jobs too. You know, that, that, what does that mean? Support everyone's jobs. Like it means taking coaches who are being paid hourly right now and being able to create positions that are full-time salary with, with health insurance. Yep. Um, that's something that's important to us that we want to do. It's, it's imperative that we obviously have those roles for the business to be successful, but it's also a part of where we want to see our coaches go and be able to put people into future positions. So there's just there's so many factors at play with with all of it. And, um, you know, that was kind of our personal experience in looking at the, the average membership value. Um, but it's if you're looking at revenue projections and what you're going to be doing, uh, you, you have to know that number. And it has to be something that's going to work towards the long term support support of the business. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you candidly, like right now that's what we're looking at. We are looking at either how are we going to be able to um, be able to accommodate a few more people in a class if that's even within our control. And if we cannot do that, then that means we need to increase the average membership value. And so the only way to really hit that the hardest is by looking at a a slight increase in the price. Right. Um, And that's, will be our biggest, biggest decision and biggest thing that we examine as we head into 2021 and as we head into kind of the future of the business and what does this, what does this do? Because it forces you to make that decision of like, all right, am I going after quality or am I going after quantity? Yep. And that's, that's what we have ahead of us. Yeah. So. Well said. Um, maybe that's a good thing to end on. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. Awesome. Well guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, we actually saw a boost in our reviews this week, so I really appreciate that. Please continue to give us a five-star review. Um, please continue to subscribe to it. iTunes likes that. 
Um, go ahead and follow us at Jim Ops Radio. And definitely email us as well. Email is uh, sometimes the easiest way to contact us. Um, so our emails are Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at perform-360.com or Dave at perform-360.com. And that's it, guys. So we'll see you next time.